0: I was losing a lot but again I didn't give up. I feel like I still didn't burst out. This is not where I want to stop. I definitely want to go higher.
1: Hello and welcome to the first episode of Abtal, a podcast series from the national news dedicated to Arab athletes and their respective journeys towards the Paris 2024 Olympics. I'm your host Rima Bulleel and today I'm joined by not one but two iconic Arab women. Tunisian Ons Jabeur and Egyptian Mayar Sharif. This is the first time ever Ons and Mayar have been interviewed together, and we discuss everything from their early days trying to make it in tennis to the key decisions they made along the way. The turning points in their respective careers, the highs, the lows, the desperation that comes with trying to break through, and the pressures that come with finally doing well. Ons opens up about the heartbreaking defeat in the 2023 Wimbledon final, while Mayar reveals what really pushed her to pursue a career in professional tennis halfway through college. They share stories from their previous appearances at the Olympics and even quiz each other on things they've always wanted to learn about one another. Ons and Mayar have had completely different paths to the top of women's tennis. Ons turned pro when she was just 16 years old, while Mayar took the college tennis route, playing for Fresno State before transferring to Pepperdine University. It was only after graduation that she kicked off her professional career in earnest. Ons has gone on to become the highest-ranked African woman and Arab player in tennis history, peaking at number two in the world and making three Grand Slam finals. Meanwhile, Mayar is the second-highest-ranked Arab woman in history and became the highest-ranked Egyptian tennis player ever, across both the men and the women, when she hit a career-high number 31 in the world last year. I met Ons for the first time back in 2012 at a tournament in Doha, and we spent years being the only two Arab women traveling the tennis tour me as a journalist and Ons as a player, before Mayar came along. Now I get to cover two Arab women on tour, and I get to see their impact, not just on the people in our region, but in the rest of the world as well. They're helping change perceptions of what an Arab woman is capable of, pushing every conceivable boundary and treading on uncharted territory. We recorded this episode a few months back, and I can't wait for you all to hear what they had to say. Mayra Ons, thank you very, very much for joining me today. I, I really feel truly privileged that you're both talking to me at the same time. I've interviewed each one of you many, many times, but this is the first time I get to speak with you together. I don't know if you've ever been interviewed together. I'm not sure, but I feel like this could be the first time. Well, this is the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Only if I cannot remember, Mayra, you tell
0: first me. First time, first time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's why I feel really lucky, and, and I really appreciate that you guys both took the time to do this. You've both taken very, very different paths towards professional tennis and the top of professional tennis, and you've each ended up making history in your own right. And I would love to hear from both of you about your journeys, the obstacles you faced, the choices you had to make. I'm sure there were many diff- difficult choices in order to pursue your dreams in this sport and the barriers you had to break along the way. But uh, Onsa, I'd like to start with you. How young were you when you decided to pursue a professional career in tennis and what were some of the key decisions you and your family had to make in order for you to, to pursue this?
2: I think it was around the age of 12 or 13. I was convincing my mom to let me go study in Tunis. We had like a, a high school where you can study and, and play tennis at the same time. So you, you have the program, you can practice twice a day and still be able to finish your homework and, and exams. I think that was the maybe the changing point for me. I was practicing more, I was more dedicated to, to play more tennis and I was able to travel a lot, which uh, I could not do it if I was in a in normal high school because of the amount of hours we we used to spend at the high school so that was the first winning match for me against my
1: parents because i had to convince them to let me go to this high school and how did you hear about it like why did why was it you who was trying to convince them that they approach you directly or did you look it up or how did it work
2: it's it's a famous high school in tunisia in actually actually in africa too it's called lycée sportif and and you 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 have to do certain tests to be accepted there and to to uh, to to go to that high school but it was like two hours drive from my hometown and i was very young and my mom was kind of scared to let me be on my own and not kind of sleep in the house so that
1: was that was difficult for them to accept that i go there And you won Roland Garros Juniors at the age of 16 in 2011, and you turned pro as a teenager. What were some of the biggest challenges that you faced early on, and especially in an expensive sport like tennis? How did you manage that financially, and what were some of the trickiest parts of all of that process?
2: I think there's so many things and I believe like every tennis player would struggle financially having like a professional career. For me, it was finding uh, the way to pay the coach and everything. But uh, also the injuries that didn't help so much because I I was uh, injured. I had to do uh, operation early in my career in when I was 15 or 14. I had to start to do my my first operation on my, my wrist. And that was very tough and I could I didn't know if I could just be able to come back stronger. So obviously the ITF helped me a lot to be ready and to kinda of pay a little bit for my coaches. And I struggled a bit going from juniors to professional, but it's 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 completely normal. I'm, uh, I'm happy that my country was there for me and my my family was all, always there for me. So that's I think was the key for me to to continue and still believe in that I could do so many things.
1: I remember you once told me there were times when you you would wait for someone to send you money, whether from your family or Karim, your husband, who at the time was your fiancé, just to be able to go to the next tournament. When all of this is happening, are there doubts that you should be pursuing tennis at all? I think not really because you,
2: I was already like so into tennis, like I was, I was there. So I I believe if I took money from my brothers or sister or or Kareem, it's like a debt to me and I need to, to give it back. I had so many, I had some businessmen that they wanted to make a deal, which... I found very unfair because they they give you some money and then they take four hundred percent more after, which I I couldn't find it very very easy. So I I chose another path to to take a little bit of money from from my uh, family and and Karim and and be able to to continue. And they believed in me. I also was very lucky to get some white cards in in Doha and, and Dubai. That, that those kind of tournaments really help with the high price money to to pay for stuff.
1: Uh. My audio didn't play a lot in the juniors. I remember you once told me it wasn't easy to play a lot of juniors because financially it was quite difficult. I'm curious, first of all, you must have met Ons on the African circuit at some point. Do you remember the first time you met or any early impressions of Ons?
0: I remember one match he played against my older sister uh, in Smash. And I remember watching also yeah. one match against Noura Bes. I still remember. Uh, yeah, I have this memory from the African Championships, I think. And then also, I actually played against her in one of the African. It was uh, in Mozambique. African tournaments. I
2: remember. <laughs> yes, yes. Because Maya is, yes. is younger, <laughs> so I played with with her sister more than than uh, than her, her sister is my year.
0: Yes so she 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 had some battles with my sister that I remember <laughs> <laughs> but but not so many with me but these are the memories I have of of her
1: and Mayor, tell me about your journey early on in tennis. I know your family loves tennis, as you just mentioned. Your sister; she's not the only sister who plays tennis. You, a lot of you play. What was the decision process like for you when were you you were young and you were trying to pursue a career in tennis? And how did you end up taking the college tennis route? What convinced you that that was the right path for you? Uh,
0: it it wasn't easy of uh, being good young in Egypt. And trying to make it through, to try to convince the people around you, uh, it was nothing easy. I was already obsessed with going outside of Egypt to to try to beat the people outside. In Egypt, we always say you have to try to beat the people outside because we already have people that are good within Egypt, but nobody made a difference outside of Egypt. And I had that obsession already when I, since I was 12, 13 and I loved traveling from the first time I traveled. So I was, I think the first time my older sister traveled, she was crying. She was, Rana, when she, yeah, I I have this memory also of her crying. She wanted to come back early, but I was in the same travel. And I was like, yeah, you can leave me here and you can go back to Egypt. I will stay here. So yeah, I, I knew back then that I wanted to do this 100% and that I could do it. I worked I was working very hard from a very young age and and I had so much so much determination for it. And once I got out, I think when I was 15 years old, I went to Spain for a couple of years to to practice and to try to play tournaments, but I couldn't play as many tournaments as like the others because financially we didn't have the enough money for for my parents to Just to be outside of Egypt, practicing outside of Egypt was already very expensive. So above that, to play many tournaments, it was very, very tough. And I come from a very normal family. So it was very tough. I had to make the decision to come back early. And there was one year where I had to take the last year of school. There was no option in Egypt to uh, to go to school and play at the same time. I'm sure you know that. And I was in the in the like the national school system, not the American or the I don't know how to say it in English. You know what I'm talking about. And I definitely had to stop six months of playing tennis to actually be able to pass that. To be to have the chance to go to college and play call and play tennis and study at the same time. Because financially for me it was it was just impossible to to keep going to keep going this this way to play two tournaments and then wait for the money and then play another three and then wait for the money it was it was very difficult and stressful but i always had to believe i th- i want to say of my of my family and me and when i when i graduated i saved some money from school um i give private lessons in school so that i can save after i come back so i give myself the chance to maybe try again and looking at ons I remember so well looking at ons and seeing her getting to 150 130 and then breaking that I was still in college and actually my first two years I was thinking I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take my masters afterwards and I'm not gonna play tennis but then I saw her going and going and going and then my mind started changing and also I saw other players but I had my eyes always on Ons, to, to be honest. Uh, and then my mind started changing, and I wanted to graduate as fast as possible to go on and play. I was texting Justo in my third year. I was like, "That—that that was my coach when I was in Spain, who's with me now." I was like, "I want to try again. I want to give it a give it a shot." And and I was so excited. And my last year, I think after my last year, Ons did that quarterfinal in. In Australia and that was just firing I was like I need to do this <laughs> and then after I graduated from from college I remember I remember I had this conversation with my coach my first three months I wasn't winning many matches or four months I remember having this uh, conversation with my coach saying crying I'm like I'm gonna stop it I can't do it anymore I'm financially unable to do it. And there's no chance playing 15 Ks and 25 Ks. I can afford to, 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 to pay for this, to pay for him, to pay for uh, my life because I took my bag and I went to Spain where my coach lives. And I planted myself there to try to make it for tennis. And my coach decided to help me at this point. I don't know if he was crazy or, or what he was thinking, but he actually helped me financially he said don't worry about it I'll help you uh, he didn't take any money from coaching me he didn't uh, he didn't put any pressure about giving any money back. he just had the confidence and the belief. he had so much belief in me more than myself that made me really push and push through and until he he had no money anymore. <laughs> so we both knew that I had to do it as fast as possible so that I could actually have a shot. And after a year, I remember I got from zero to 190 or 189. And we both had no money at this point. And I had to borrow the money from Rana to, to, to pay for the ticket to the Australian Open. It was my first a Grand Slam. I remember that very well as well. And... And I think after that point, the French Open, after I qualified for the French Open, that was like a changing point for me. And that helped me a lot to, for the people to know me, for the sponsors to to start to get into tennis and the people needed to know tennis. And for me, that was a ground, ground changing.
1: I I find both your stories incredible because many other people would have quit, but that's something that I feel that's very common between you two is that no matter, no matter the circumstances, you kept going. Once I'm curious for you, was college tennis ever on the table for you or you never even considered it?
2: I, I got some offers, but never really considered it. For me, I, my goal was to, to graduate from high school and from there full-on tennis obviously it wasn't easy convincing the parents that i will do tennis like how they think what if you get injured what if this what if that which they're they're completely right because nothing is guaranteed especially tennis i believe actually it's sad that if you're above what 200 300 that you you have to make it like at least top 200, top te- top uh, top 100 to be able to pay from tournaments, which is, I find it truly unfair for a sport that has a lot of viewers, that for a sport is, is, is making a lot of money. So for me, I also try to push for this. It's impossible to to make a living out of tennis. Which doesn't make sense with what we, we we produces with media rights and everything, and with all the bettings, which drives me crazy. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, for me, I, I got some offers. I'm I'm I wasn't ready to go and live in US to be honest with you, and and study there. I, for me, I wanted to play tournaments. Even though I sometimes I had no idea what I was doing. Sometimes I, I just went with the flow. I was losing a lot. But again, I didn't give up. I, I, I told, I always take money from, from my brother and sister. And they didn't approve most of the time the the, the things that I was doing. So I was like, don't worry, I'll, I'll give you back. And honestly, I had no idea how to give back at the time. It was like, I was I was basically not making anything, but... But yeah you you have to I believe you now have you should to, give them back with some interest. I don't worry. I, I I gave back a lot. <laughs> they're enjoying. They're enjoying. I believe Rana is enjoying too, no? <laughs> yes. Yeah, but but at certain time you I believe you have to go through this to make you the player who you are now and if if I had to choose again to go through this I would choose it a million of times because I believe that made me the player that I am today
1: so this actually brings me to my next question if someone asks you how uh, how, how did things finally come together for you if someone asks you what is the main reason you managed to become a world number two a multiple time grand slam finalist what would you say now
2: I I I think that's no one main reason. I believe that the 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 struggle, the good feelings, the sad feelings that I, I went through during my career made me the player that I am today. Meeting with some good people, with some bad people, they want to take advantage, uh, especially now of your success, saying that they've always been there, which no I'm sorry, you never been there. There is a lot of those. Which is sad because I think in, in Tunisia, those people exist a lot. And I believe that those people are not are preventing a lot of athletes to become the athletes they want to become. And it's sad because, I mean, tennis, we are lucky because if you make it at certain level, you can earn your prize money. You can pay for your own things. Other sports, they cannot do that. And they work so hard to, for example, to prepare for the Olympics every four years. I believe tennis, we, we have Grand slams, which is uh, four times uh, a, a year, which is very important. So for me, there was a, a certain turning point in 2019. I was I was playing good, had a good ranking around 50 or, or 30. And I was like, I look at my coach, I was like, I'm sick of losing against top 10 players, even though I know that I can be a top 10 player. I've beat them so many times and I believe my level is there. And I'm like... It, as soon as I said it, I'm I'm done. I want to be top tier. That's that's my goal now, and I'm gonna do everything. And for some reason, like the mentality changed, the everything, the doors were opening in front of me. I've met some people on, in the way that helped me a lot, and that was that was uh, when I made the quarterfinals at the Australian Open, which I was like the first time in the second week, like going deep. That that was for me the changing point. And the minute I said, okay, enough is enough, I believe that I can be there. And a lot of things changed for me.
1: And what about you, Mayar? Uh, what are the key reasons for you that you've been able to become the highest ranked Egyptian-born player in tennis history?
0: I wouldn't say there is like a key or or anything. I I want to say I just put the hard work... I. I listen to my coach a lot uh, i I work day by day to go to the court to improve I give it all I give it all to tennis I mean I'm sure uh, all of us on tour do the same uh, I live I go only home, I go home twice a year two weeks a year probably um yeah I, I give it all and that's what I do every day and I think, improving day by day i actually improved my level a lot my mentality is there but i still need to like having that mentality to go every day to improve to try to be better to try to be better working on my personality working on my my angle points my my attitude off the court to help on the court uh, these kind of things uh, i think i still need to work on those to help me with to To arrive to the next level, I mean, the difference, I I feel the difference is not that big. It's the consistency of a top 20, top 10 player is really high and that doesn't come out of nowhere. It's a process that you have to go through. I mean, I'm not there yet, but this is what I think. (laughs) But hopefully I'll get there. I mean, I feel like I still didn't burst out or do as good as... Own soil. this is not where I want to stop. I definitely want to go higher.
1: And once you've had to deal with expectations from a very young age. I'm curious, when was the first time you realized this was going to be something you had to deal with your whole career?
2: Well, definitely dealing with myself because I put a lot of pressure on myself and I think I, I always try to be tough with myself. And then I met a very nice guy who's helped me, a reflexologist, who helped me a lot and and told me to be like easy a little bit on myself because it it wasn't going to help me get what I I need to, to be. And that's when I start giving myself more chances. If I win that match, if I lose that match, it's okay. It's, it's part of tennis and you have to keep improving and... Uh, I, I try to be more patient. I'm not a patient person. I'm learning to be. I, I believe I'm patient in certain things, but expecting myself to to do good like very quickly—that what didn't help much. I need to take the time to become the player I, I want to become. And and I think I told you before in some interviews. I don't want to be a top ten player just to be a top ten player. I want to be a consistent one. I want to deserve my spot. And the same thing goes for word number one. If I want to be word number one, I, I want to be, one, I wanna, I wanna be uh, good at that job, kind of, of maintaining that title. I just don't want to just hit the number one for a week or two and then just goodbye.
1: <laughs> and Mayotte, I'm curious, how has the process changed for you in terms of dealing with expectations? Because... This year, for example, you had the deep run and a Masters 1000 in Madrid, you beat top 10 player. It wasn't the first time you've beaten a top 10 player, but you're showing a certain level where I'm sure whether it's from the inside or from the outside, expectations are becoming higher. How has the process of dealing with expectations changed for you?
0: I'm still in that process. I'm not I'm not fully. I'm, like I didn't learn how to deal with that yet the best possible because I haven't been in these situations many many times obviously the the result of Madrid I needed that as a tennis player and as a person to just know that I can go deep in those big tournaments it gave me a lot of confidence and it gave me a lot of self-belief but I fell in I fell in 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 the trap of going to the next tournament having a lot of expectations playing very nervous on the court losing just because. You go to the court, you expect yourself to win. That was definitely a lack of experience. So again, I'm still in that process of learning. I don't have many experiences where I did amazing results and people are just waiting for me to go to top 10. I'm I'm still learning and I'm still not good at it. That's why I am where I am today. And hopefully I'll get it better.
1: Ons, can you relate to that? Do you remember a time where you fell in that trap?
2: It's always difficult because you feel the pressure when you uh, make a good result and everybody's expecting you to play good. Um, and that's one thing I, I did learn, not to see what people are expecting from you. People could could say whatever they want. They don't know what you're leaving every day. They don't know how you wake up. But but yeah, I I understand. Plus Madrid and, and Rome, for example, for my era, was completely different condition. You shouldn't be hard on yourself because... Was completely different. Two tournaments. <laughs> it's like playing on on clay, then going on grass. It's- it's 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 crazy there, and and I understand it's you, you, you shouldn't be hard on yourself. It's it's completely normal. You if you said like you're gonna learn from it, I think that's a big step for you, and that's how you manage. You you, you manage by losing, matching, winning, matching, and and, and then and then you learn. And you learn, you cannot just watch someone doing it and and learn as quick. It, it could happen, but very very difficult because you you will not have the experience obviously. But I'm sure you you learn from that and you will keep going and uh, keep winning tournaments. And I, I I saw that you won two tw- one twenty five in a row, which is can I? You learn from from Madrid and Rome.
1: You two are probably the most players I watch. Like I I watch you more more than a lot of other people probably. And uh, when I watch you, I know obviously you have totally different brands of tennis. You've had different paths. You have everything. But I always feel that there are common things between you. In terms of how determined you are, how you kind of thrive under pressure, you like proving people wrong, you have a personality on and off the court, even if they're different types of personalities. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, and I'm going to ask each one of you to name some of the traits or the things that you see in the other player that stand out to you the most. So like for Ons, what do you see in Mayor that stands out to you the most that you feel is unique about her?
2: I, I love Mayur's fighting spirit. You never know when it's done. I, I I see that she's trying to improve and fight every pawn, no matter what. She's losing six love, five love. She's always there and, and trying to fight, no matter what. And I love when she screams or shows that she's there and the game is not over. And that's something I really appreciate. And I, I saw that she's always trying to improve in maybe in some areas in her game that she doesn't like. And she's very patient about it. And I love how she masters also the the where she's good at. For example, playing on clay, she's she's really good and she mastered it. No matter what how many tournaments she played or if it's 1,000, 250 or whatever, she's always there to prove that she's, she's really good at playing there. And at the same time, she's trying to improve in, in different surfaces, which I really admire because you can see so many players, they, they complain <laughs> about playing on surfaces they don't like. Instead of trying to find a solution, which is completely normal, you have a certain style of game,
1: so you're gonna uh, try to adapt and improve. And Maia, what about you? What stands out to you the most in Ons if you had to pick a couple of things?
0: The hands, <laughs> <laughs> obviously one of the best hands. Onto it's unbelievable. Uh, sh- she can play with us, I think. <laughs> Uh, I think this is yeah. I mean, it sends out to everybody. I think I was always like I always tell my coach like, what did she do growing up to be able to have these skills? I don't know if she played a lot mini tennis when Egypt would do that to get that skills. I'm like, she oh, I have the answer that, like, for you. Two hours a day <laughs> or something. <laughs> you want the answer? Yeah. How
2: <laughs> I played so many sports growing up and not just tennis i played football i played handball i was running i was playing every every sport that i can find in front of me basketball and i i believe that develops the skill the the, the the talent kind of because i don't believe that you say you are born with a talent no you you can be born and and and, and kind of make it uh, to perfection and and for me i was if there is any sport with a a ball i would play I would play all the time, no matter it's so on a tennis court outside. And uh, honestly, I was very lucky because I have two brothers. I played a lot of football with them, and that that helped me a lot to develop this. And I I truly believe that kids should start not just with one sport, but with so many. I was swimming also at the time. So uh, any any possible sport
1: I was doing. <laughs> That's really good advice. Um, (laughs) yeah i know that having the right people around you makes all the difference in the world and i'm sure both of you will say that i want to start with mayor can you tell me a little bit about how the people around you help you be the best version of yourself every day i know that one of your sisters now is living in spain so she's also close i've seen another sister travel with you a little bit on tour as well how how key is all of that for you
0: I mean, it's it's very important because at this point, I'm just I live I live outside of Egypt and my sisters for me, I love them. I think I love them the most in my life. They help me with everything. Whenever I ask them to to travel to come help me, they do. It's very tough mentally to go week week after week after week without seeing your family. So for me, it's very important for them to to come and just be with me because I love being with them. And I grew up in a house where I have three sisters and we're always laughing we're always playing or fighting so I'm used to like people with me and being here in one room week after week sometimes is quite boring so so yeah they 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 help me a lot with that and for me also one one very important person is Justo. he's uh he's my family in Spain his daughters are very close to me his, his wife is, is very close to me, too. They all help me in, in a way. His wife helps me with things off the court. The girl that comes clean the house, cooks for me after practice. Whenever there is a chance, Justo's Gusto, uh, parents are with me as well to make me feel like I'm at home. So I feel like I'm at home in Spain. It's like my second home. And that's something I think that Justo built for me on purpose, of course, because he makes me feel like I'm his family.
1: And once you have a very tight knit group, your husband, Karim, who's also your fitness trainer, Issa Jaleli, your head coach, Melanie Mayor, psychologist. I love Melanie. I love her. <laughs> I, I want my own sessions with Melanie. <laughs> you <laughs> um, have to pay me. <laughs> what's the, I know, right? It has to, through you, you get a commission. <laughs> uh, what's, a, what's a key element of Team Ons that, that like, wh- how, what does one person need to be? What's a certain trait they need to have to, to be part of Team Ons?
2: um uh, yeah, loyalty and I'm all about uh, being loyal me for them and them for me and this team started like very small and got bigger 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 with the time which I'm I'm very proud of because again Mayar was saying family family yeah, family is most is the most important thing and I believe my team is my family isam we know from a very long time he even knew Karim before me he used to play and and, and knows what is we went through tough times because people couldn't believe that a tunisian team could make it it's for example it's all about uh the nationality was which we, we me and my are we trying to change a bit because you don't have to be american or french to to be a top 10 player no you can be from from africa to do that and it's the same thing works for the for the coaches for fitness coaches and and uh is, is becoming tunisian too uh, I told her like, yeah, uh, <laughs> the Asian. We try to make her eat spicy food, teach her some words in, 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 Arabic, and it's funny because I feel a great connection with her. I knew Melanie in two thousand sixteen or seventeen, and the journey just started. And again, people try to judge what we are doing, but they have no idea what the the work we are doing either with Isam, Karim, or Melanie. So these things take time. You cannot trust anybody uh, very easy, and especially for a psychologist. (laughs) So yeah, I I love working with Melanie. We're improving a lot and things take time. So we just need to be patient and,
1: and keep working. One of the things I remember about Melanie when I was speaking with her is that how she kind of urged you to embrace the weight of expectations and to embrace having the role of the First African to do this, or first Arab to do this, and and I can definitely see it in you that this is something that because you get asked about it every single day in every <laughs> single press conference. You're the first African. What does it mean? You're the first Arab, and 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 I feel like you've a key part of this was Melanie talking you through all of that, which I think is very cool. One thing in tennis that is absolutely brutal is that there's only one winner every week, which means that everyone else walks away a loser from a tournament, a feeling you guys know very well. And learning how to lose is essential in any sport, but I feel in tennis in particular, that's particularly something you really need to be okay with. So Onse, I'm gonna start with you. How has your perspective towards wins and losses changed? over the years
2: i think if you i didn't actually see it that way before until somebody said it that we lose every week and then when you when i focus on i was like oh well, okay uh, sometimes i i i see if I, I i did my best and i did a quarter final or a semi or, or made a final i'm proud of myself i i don't feel like I, I walked out of the tournament as a loser but also as a winner because i won everything and Something they teach me when I was young, you never lose a match, you always learn from it. So yeah, I'm trying to learn from every loss. I try to improve and that's the, the the rules of tennis. You learn from every match that you lost and you keep going and you keep adapting and that's all about tennis players adapting to everything.
1: And your loss to Markata von Drusova in the Wimbledon 2023 final, it seemed to hit you very hard. Yeah. And I felt like... The whole world was crying with you, even my family. I was sitting next yeah. to my family because I covered the <laughs> final from home and they were crying too and they don't know you. So <laughs> I am curious, what did you tell yourself after that match and why did it hurt so much? Maybe expectations
2: also that comes to the way because I I, I was sure that I can win this one. I was ready. I was playing amazing matches. Also, I feel like it was unfair because I have tougher matches before. So it kind of makes it tough. Also, I was playing really well the last two years. I was building myself and it came up short to one match. And it just, it, it did hurt a lot because I, I, I wanted to lift that title so bad for so many years. But yeah, it is what it is. I, I couldn't hold my tears because that's the person that I am. I'm very emotional. I try to show and not to hide who I am and plus when you talk to a princess that has a very soft voice that doesn't help you <laughs> contain your emotions and it was it was very tough because she she spoke to me a couple of times and and I couldn't hold it and then after going to the locker rooms and meeting uh, Kim and <laughs> Bratilova uh, it, it was very tough they were all like feeling sad for me and, and you can feel the energy from that and that that made me even more sad but But then encouraged me even more. And I remember I was with with Kim, Conchita in the locker rooms, and we're both like sitting like this. (laughs) We're all like sitting like this. It's like something terrible, like more tellable that has happened. And you can feel even we were all of us silent, but you can you can feel that the silent had so many words to say. Yeah, I just also I felt like I disappointed my team because I was the one holding the rack and I was the one doing everything and And that maybe hit me the most seeing seeing my, my my team up there i couldn't I couldn't really look at them. I was like I was like this I was focusing on myself and and focusing on what I have to do and and get through that trophy ceremony and that was a very tough moment, but yeah, I guess you learn from this, you try to become stronger we me and Karim we cried a lot after I never saw Karim like this, but it's also nice to to share this with with him. It's something you don't always share good things, but this is Maybe a sad good thing that you share
1: too. And myori, when you were playing in college, the hopes of a team kind of hung in the balance. But now it's all about you. And I'm curious how your perspective on wins and losses has changed. And where, how do you view wins and losses right now?
0: I mean, on the team, playing at a team, it was different. Totally different. Because the spot was never on you because whether you play one you play six or you don't play at all it didn't matter you're part of a team you win yeah it's a point you lose that's we lost a point and and that and that was was it the pressure was not was not that high while i want to say on the tour it's it's much harder of course because you're not just playing for yourself you're playing for all the hard work that the other people did your, your your coach all the hours all the hours he spent with you at uh, your fitness coach the whole team the whole team is you're playing f- basically with their work and if you're not doing the things well off the court which is a lot of responsibility a lot of pressure of doing the things well because if you're not doing the things well then you're not holding yourself accountable for their work and then it's it's a lot of weight to to bear, you know, and to go out there and to take that all of that and to take it on the court. It's not it's not that easy.
1: You're both Olympians. Once you've been to three Olympic games London, Rio, and Tokyo. And Mayar, you made your Olympic debut in Tokyo. Mayar, how different did the Olympics feel for you compared to other tournaments on tour?
0: It was special. I think it, we. I didn't get the full experience because of COVID. But it was still very special and very different. It didn't matter if you were like the best player in the world in that sport or it didn't matter. You're just walking through the best athletes in the world. And it's just an amazing feeling just to be there while being there is not enough. And then you're like, yeah, I want to do... This is such a huge privilege to be here. And and you want to do well. You want to do well for your country. And to be honest, I can't wait for the... The one next year, and did you get to? I'm
1: not sure with COVID rules and everything. Were you able to like exchange pins or meet other athletes or things like that?
0: Yes, yes, that was that was that was my first time, and it was so weird. It was like people would stop you, like people would be running behind you, like "Yeah, I want, I want your pin," and I'm like, "Man, you just to end all that way to get the pin (laughs) because they see that you're from Egypt, and at this point, there is only like five Egyptians in the whole." whole venue but it it was such a nice experience finally i still have that that credential with all the pins and all the pins they give us with with the respect and they give a they give us like six different pins i still have all of those justo has in his in his home he call it his museum he put all my trophies and every nice memory from the tournaments in his house and nobody can take those away from him believe me
1: that's awesome once you must have plenty of stories i'm sure from previous olympics i know that you once met kobe bryant and lebron james in rio if i'm not mistaken i think there's a bit of a funny I met story met kobe. kobe i right? met
2: kobe yeah i went to watch tunisia u.s they played basketball against each other and i was like it's it's kobe and everybody was intense and i i he, he did this to my hand and i was like i didn't wash it for five days maybe it was very awesome and one of the teams uh, from Tunisia they gave me a ball uh, to hand it to the players so they can sign it so I was on a uh, uh, ball duty for for autograph and and yeah the pen exchange the pen I think is the this the mantadori thing that you do in the Olympic game you know, like uh, when you go there remember once I exchanged a pin with with Serena. Here you go, my friend. And she said, thank you, my friend. (laughs) Yeah, Tunisian and Egyptian pin are very, I think, uh, wanted in in Olympic sports, for sure. It's a rare commodity, yeah? That's cool. (laughs) It is.
1: So we're seeing more Arab women excel in world sports in general. Uh, In Tokyo, for example, out of the six Egyptian medalists, three were women. And actually, the only gold medalist was a woman, Feriel Abdelaziz, in karate. Tunisia in 2016, two of the three medalists were women. We've just seen the Moroccan national team do really well in the Women's World Cup. They made it out of the groups into the knockouts. Mayotte, how does it feel to be part of this big shift in women's sport that we're witnessing in the region right now?
0: To be honest, uh, it's a a privilege. Uh, It's a privilege just to be in my situation right now. But also it's it's a responsibility that I wanna push people more. I wanna push the next generation, especially back home, the belief they can have to 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 believe that they can make it, that they can arrive. You have now every year more and more Arabs and especially women coming out and doing good in sports. And that gives them just the belief. I mean it doesn't matter if you make it or not. It's just the belief that you can do it and that you just go on and and try to do it. Because if the belief is not there, nobody will ever make it. And that just, I think, by the years, it will be more and more and more women and more Arab athletes going in and making the high the high ranks in other sports as well.
1: And Ons, in terms of sponsorship, do you feel companies are still holding back when it comes to sponsoring women or athletes in general outside of football in our parts of the world? I think we could do better for sure. Uh, yeah, definitely you need more sponsors for women. I
2: just, you need to know how to kind of sell your story. And I believe there is a lot of talented women around, around the, the African continent, the Arab continent that, that deserve more. I, I see the changes. I just wish to, to see more, and I'm sure there is more. It's starting, especially in the Middle East, in, in, in Saudi right now. They're investing more and more in, in women's sport, which is something it's it's amazing to see. I I visited Kuwait, and I see that they're trying to change, they're trying to give women more opportunities to play. And I believe when you give them more opportunities, especially the sponsors will follow.
1: And I, in general, there, there's a lot you have to sacrifice to do what you guys are doing. And one of the things I know you mentioned in the documentary you were in on Netflix is is you. I know you love children, and I know that one day you mm-hmm. want to have children. And balancing that that big dream that you have to to grow a family with Kareem while also pursuing your dreams in tennis, w- what is that, and how difficult is it?
2: Yeah, it is. It is very difficult, especially we we both are crazy about kids. We we want to have our own, and sharing this with Kareem, I think is is really one of our goals. And, and yeah, you have to... It's never the right time. It's always, okay, I'm playing good now. I cannot stop. And for me, my goal was always to stop and come back. And the last couple of years, it was tricky because I could not stop. I felt like I was under my best level and it would be kind of stupid to stop right now. It's it's crazy. So I kept going and we're very impatient with Karim. So we're going to see how it goes. I definitely want to have a kid and come back for sure. That's also one of the things that I want to show that it's possible. There is more and more women that they do in it. And for me, it's more personal to show also to the, to the Arab community that, it, that it's very possible because when I got married. Um they said that I'm going to stop tennis because I'm going to be a housewife, I'm going to stay at home. I was like, "No, that's that's not how how it works." And now having this with Karim, people are like trying to change their mentality. Is the same thing with having a kid. It is very tough to have a kid, but it's not impossible to come back and continue working or, or playing sports. So that's what I'm trying also to
1: prove. Is there anything you guys ever wanted to ask each other? This is how I I'd like to end this conversation. Is there anything one of you would like to ask the other
2: well I was gonna ask her when she went to but she already answered when she went to U.S. was she planning to come back to professional tour or just was just to graduate and keep going with your life but I said you said you changed your mind in
0: mid no yes the first two years I I was like yeah tennis impossible no chance <laughs>
1: And what about you, Mayotte? Is there anything you always wanted to ask on Surya? I know you guys know each other and can ask each other anything, but I'm curious with the conversations we just had, if there's anything you'd like to ask her.
0: What advice would you give me? Actually, it's an advice that I want to take. Would you give me to go on to the next level?
2: I, I think that you're doing already an amazing job going from the ranking that you were until until now and i see that you are working very hard to become better on playing on hard courts and on grass but i mean i don't really count grass because it's only a few tournaments here but especially hard i feel like you have a more aggressive game which is really amazing and i'm gonna say this you really truly should believe that you could be very good in playing on hard courts to be able to play good in there and if you truly believe that just imagine that you are because you can see so many players they have different game style but still play good in, in different surfaces, right? I, I don't see why you cannot do it because you're you have a great mentality, you have a great fighting spirit. You just have to keep going and, and, and find that that small details that makes you you and that you proved it before you have won a lot of great matches on, on, on hardcore. You just need to believe that you can be in quarterfinals and then be in finals and then and then win the tournaments you just don't don't stop in that area i i truly believe that everything started with believing and then everything will unlock you would know more things about yourself because i know you but i know you from outside and i don't know what's happening really with you and your team but once you know that and once you you uh, it will click for you for sure that's my stick 20% 20% out of prize money if this works.
1: <laughs> the next hardcore tournament, we'll keep an eye out. Eh? <laughs> Ladies, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. I've taken a lot of your time and I'll see you soon on the road. Inshallah. inshallah. I absolutely love this conversation with Onsan Mayor, who showed us that there is no singular path towards success in sport. It was great to see how much they support and respect each other. And it's obvious they are both extremely ambitious and are not content with what they've achieved so far in tennis. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned for a brand new episode of Abtal next week. To listen to the other episodes in this series, be sure to follow this channel and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any other major podcasting platform.